Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, my name is Jordan Rich, and Julian and I welcome another thought leader to the Language for Leading podcast. Her name is Rita Jakubowski. Rita is an NYU graduate, a retired family wealth manager at Morgan Stanley, having spent more than 35 years in that business. She's worked with Julian Sturton on both business and personal levels for over four years, resulting in a successful leap off of a long plateau and the launch of a hugely successful advisory team that now serves as the model for the entire bank. Rita shares with us that the language for leading has enabled her to lend her skills and leadership experience for the benefit of numerous nonprofit organizations, her most gratifying legacy. The concepts of mission, purpose, and objectives are central to her daily life, and the language for leading operating system is fundamental to keeping it organized and fruitful. And today, Rita has chosen a fascinating topic, one critical to our success as a culture, and that is literacy. We'll be exploring many angles with her help, Right now, to get started, let's turn things over to the founder of the Language for Leading, Julian Sturton. First of all, we're talking to ourselves. That's all human beings do. We really don't do anything else, whether it's on behalf of someone else or on our own behalf with our own particular background and foregoing conversation. Now, in regarding this conversation, yes, and the term responsibility, I think these 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 conversations, particularly the one we're going to have today, uh, Rita, is sort of like a, continu- a continuation of a wake-up call, a way of making us aware of our awareness and the surrounding conditions, which are the evidence for our awareness. And literacy is one of those many conditions, those many human conditions. And our response facilitates our ability to interconnect through and with those conditions. And responsibility, I call it responsibility the Tao of our consciousness, our, our how to be. Language is, is rather like the Tao of our existence. And literacy and the other headlines are what takes place between now, the past, and what is at stake when we look at the future. So I know that you and I had a very exciting conversation today. So I, I wanted to find out, first of all, regarding anything, Rita, what, what's on your mind since you've been willing to participate in this, this conversation well what you know when whenever you pop back into the scene julian uh and you start talking about responsibility and the ability to respond i th- i think um in the context of of that word responsibility um i think about about the responsibility of our leaders everything being interconnected the responsibility of our leaders in the world at all levels, whether it's the city or the state or the country or the you know the global community, um, uh, individual institutions, educational institutions, the responsibility of leaders to make sure its population is um, is leading uh, people to read and be literate. Yes. So so that's where the connection between responsibility and literacy. Um, you know, I kept coming back to it. I thought about other things to talk about, like community, et cetera. But uh, but literacy is the thing that is is most pressing right now. Um, 
in the in the U.S. Um, and and I'll come to my local my immediate local level here in a, in a bit. But in the U.S., um, only seventy nine percent of U.S. adults uh, are literate, and that is far 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 below um, most under other developed countries in the world. Uh, China's literacy rate is 99%. Russia's literacy rate is 99%. Ukraine's literacy rate is 99%. And of course, all of Europe. Um, but for some reason, and there are lots of uh, thoughts about why this condition exists in the US, but um, but it, it's, it's a, it, it comes at a huge cost. It's coming, and we're seeing that every day, it's coming at a huge cost to our democracy to uh, our everyday, you know, ability to maintain the rule of law, to, um, you know, to the levels of incarceration, to, to uh, it, it's just a, a really just basic uh, ability for people to uh, understand how to respond to anything. They don't know anything. So how do they respond if they don't know anything? Well, I think it, it's a bit like, as we probably know, in the somewhat the Judaic terminology or any other kind of spiritual uh, beckonings, literacy is like a birthright. Correct. Right. And we don't treat it like that. Right. Except, except, uh, and this was another thing that drove me to to talk about this this particular domain today, um, and the, the, uh, the ultra-conservative Jewish people are prohibiting their um, their children from learning. Uh, they only want them to learn religious law. They want them to be able to read the Torah. They want them. They 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 put on. They put blinders on them in terms of what's going on in the rest of the world. Uh, they want their their um, their constituents, if you will, to know as little as possible. Because if they knew more, as we as they've witnessed and as the world has witnessed. Um, sometimes they step away and say, wait a minute, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything that, um, that I'm allowed to learn. I want to learn more. In that document I wrote, the quote from Neil Spar, without realizing that which is opposite, there's no truth to anything, very much in light of the word literacy. Mm -hmm. And I wrote down, well, what's the alternative? To not be literate? And whether we've got a choice as to whether or not we're being literate sort of front row center with that very strange nebulous word which is right at the very core of our existence which is the word being are we being true to ourselves when we represent ourselves in a literate in a literacy context which includes i think uh, learning the difference between teaching and learning and the thing i brought up with the with with our conversation everyday uh, rita which is is it a huge, important matter to distinguish between teaching and learning? And I mentioned that I've been talking to a few professors, some of them at Harvard, and I mentioned that when I asked them what's their biggest problem uh, in their lecturing, which is probably a, a bit of a problem to begin with, which is I don't think young people want to be lectured to anymore. And, that, and one of us, the, the professors, whose name I won't mention, um, in Harvard, she said, "My biggest problem is is gaining the attention." Well, I think it's I think it's more fundamental than that. I mean, what it, we all, as we all are aware, I was listening to actually a 
um, an NPR podcast um, or you know, news report uh, just yesterday. And and the report was there. There was an it was an interview with um, with one of the school board representatives of the city, and um, and and she said, you know, they're having problems getting children back to school. So children were, you know, schools were closed during COVID, um, and children stayed home. Uh, uh, they were ultimately expected to do classwork on Zoom, which was very, very difficult. No question, it was very, very difficult for a lot of children. Um, but now that the schools are reopened, um, uh, administrators are having a terrible time getting their children to come back to school. And um, and and there's there's a couple things, couple forces at work there. So number one, you know, the idea of truancy, which which um, I think probably I can speak for all of us. We we all knew that there were truancy officers in our day if you didn't show up for school someone came to get you or someone came to knock on your parents door and say where is your child your child has not been in school for the last three days now children go you know weeks and months without going to school and um and 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 when any authority comes knocking at their door to say why is your child not in school uh, a typical answer according to this administrator is that Johnny didn't want to go to school. Yeah. He did not want to go to school. So the parents say, well, if he doesn't want to go to school, why should he have to go to school? He doesn't like school. And then they inter actually interviewed several children on the same on the same program. And and the children said, Yeah, it's school is not fun and it's not easy. And and the work is hard. And and I just don't want to go. So I'm not gonna go. If I can when jump you in brought up something very very interesting, which was the word authority. And if you think about it, probably the moment we're born, there's some kind of example of authority that's giving us the directions and guidance in which to put one foot in front of the other. So if suddenly you've got this COVID virus that is intervening with nature's uh, learning condition, then I'm not surprised, that, as you've just pointed out, Rita, it's, it's a big, big deal. And uh, homeschooling wasn't com coming packaged with any kind of authority that the, that the teaching mechanism was designed. It goes back to the ancient Greeks or the Egyptians, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to teach children, obviously. Children or people didn't originally sit in classrooms, but they did learn to listen. They did yes. learn to listen. And and children seemingly don't know how to listen anymore. I think Jordan has something to say. I can't wait to get your response, both of you, on this because it ties into the responsibility issue. And when I think of literacy today, I'm not just thinking of uh, learning the, the words and the letters and how they work together to form sentences. I'm really disappointed by the cultural illiteracy, the historical illiteracy, the geographical illiteracy, you know, all that that has led to. And I thought your point, Rita, about uh, parents and others saying, it's okay, Johnny or Jill, don't worry about it. We seem to be making things very uh, seemingly easy with our machines and our devices why do you have to go and read the classics when you can see a paragraph when when chat gbt can can print an essay for you 
So I'd, I'd love you both to comment on further comment on the responsibility question and what we can do about it at this point with this generation that we're raising. Well, response. Do you want to go, Rita? Sorry. Yeah, I, I just wanted to. Well, it's in my mind before it zooms out of my mind. Um, what what one of the things that that the school room teaches you that or that reading if if not the schoolroom that actual reading to you know broad based reading teaches is critical thinking so if there is no venue for people to learn to think critically then they're more likely in my mind and i've been really thinking about this a lot they're more likely because i i wonder a lot about how people become extremists whether it's you know extremists in the Middle East or or extremists in the U.S. in political extremists, whatever, um, because they don't necessarily. And you you could, if you if you do the statistics, if you look at the statistics about who are the extremists, generally they're, and not always, but very often they are people who are not well educated who never learned to think critically, who never looked, learned to look at two sides of a problem or two, two, two different viewpoints or three different viewpoints, and, and then make a decision based on that information, based on that knowledge um, about how they want to think. And people obviously should be free to think what they want to think, but, but they can't, it's not appropriate in my mind for people to impose their, um, their viewpoints, uh, particularly if they're very extreme, um, you know, based on a single um, way they were brought up or a single locale that they have lived in or a single idea that they've attached themselves to without really looking at all the other viewpoints that that may make a difference or may adjust their thinking. Well, I think both of you, I'm um, to address what you said, Jordan, particularly what you just, how you responded, uh, Rita, uh, you're picking on two of my very hot topics, which is the word thinking, because I, I studied the whole point about people talking to themselves. When you recall, I, I studied Socrates and how he came up with the idea and popularized the idea about people talking to themselves. You remember that dialogue? Yeah, I think I think trouble. to myself a lot. <laughs> I think to myself a lot. <laughs> well, I'm I'm like I love the two points you're making. One is what Jordan put on the table, which is about uh, a way in which responsibility is able to allow us to 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 critically think, which brings another word into the whole spectrum, which is the word creativity. Is thinking different from thoughts? Not because of just the noises that we're making called language and speaking but is thinking something so different from just relying on old thoughts and does the term thinking challenge some kind of uninvited authority just as socrates presented his ideas to the spartans and they said you better stop thinking that way or we'll have you killed and that's the godfather of of, uh, of uh, philosophy. He challenged the notion that, of course, under some kind of authority, is there an uninvited sense of authority that is now going missing, which may prevent us from naturally responding? And I think what you brought up, Rita, was really good because the whole classroom scenario 
with the homeschooling has really upset the whole uh, the whole apple cart, isn't it? It has, it has. But what what you know, my my mind just went to you know the the, the countries or the leaders in the country and the world who um you know when they don't like the way someone thinks, they send them off into Siberia or into the wilderness so that they can't be heard from. That's right. In jail, or they put them someplace where um, you know they can be silenced effectively. It happens with women all over the world. It happens with uh, political dissenters. It happens with um, sometimes with children. You know, again, there are people who uh, create enclaves so that so that they can limit the amount of ideas that their people or their and their children especially are exposed to because to have them know more or have them be exposed to more is a dangerous thing they they will you know in some some cases rebel and, and rebel in many cases rebel well one of my other favorite distinctions when you bring up the word thinking and this word responsibility jordan brings about the difference between hearing and listening if we don't listen it's probably because we're now not able to think. We're, we've got this right. word processing machine in our heads. We've we've talked or, a lot. We, yeah, go ahead, go Rita. Ahead. I was just saying. Or if we or if we limit our listening, if we limit the listening, if we if we restrict the listening. Yes. Um, that's you know like like certain people only watch Fox News. Certain people only listen to NPR or watch CNN. That's those. Both of those things are dangerous. When we watch the news, we tend to flip between, especially when there's a major political situation going on. We tend to flip between, you know, between CNN and Fox just to to see what people are saying and to hear those things and to hear the way um, situations are being perceived. I just want to add a note that you can hear and several episodes that deal with the listening versus hearing uh, conundrum that Ed Julian explains in great detail with wonderful illustrations. So that's just a little promo. But I wanted to mention that the, uh, the need for being literate is borne out by uh, historical events and the difference that they make. Uh, the Gutenberg Bible, for instance, which opened up the world to the printed page, or some of the great thinkers, I think, are our science fiction writers. And the, the greatest example might be Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, the temperature at which burns, <laughs> books burn. But I think when it's, when it's at the core uh, illustrated to students and young people that if you don't take the time to and get interested and have fun and explore, then this could be taken away. But you're right, Rita. There are governments across the world and there are even people in this nation uh, who would like to see certain opinions squashed and certain points of view and the most obvious of that uh, is most recently with the with the pandemic and all the uh, machinations. We're getting stories now that are different than they were six or eight months ago or two years ago. So th that's all I wanted to put out there, that uh, history is replete with the dangers of avoiding knowledge. <laughs> of I find it absolutely your, you know. terrifying that people, um, that, that leaders in Florida and other states are, are outright um, – you know, changing the curriculum without any public debate on it. They are just completely wiping, you know, huge swaths of information out of the school curriculum. And, and that's terrifying. That is the first step towards um, 
towards something not good, <laughs> something not good for humanity and for society. I was watching a movie. It's now become one of my favorite movies because it enters into the question about what defines and if there is a simple definition of literacy. Now, obviously, there isn't. It's a very, very broad contextual way of how the brain is, is able to adjust to the ever-evolving conditions that are going on around not just this planet, but when you, when I'm talking to astrophysicists. And the idea I mentioned was, was, was actually the point about creativity, bringing schooling and literacy to front row center. There's a very exciting movie. It's called Nowhere um, Man. And it's a movie with Kristen Scott Thomas. I could highly recommend watching it if you haven't already. And it's the story of John Lennon and how he was uh, uh, dealing with broken family, his broken family, because uh, you probably you probably heard of his aunt Mimi, yes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole movie is all about his relationship with his mother and aunt Mimi, and then he meets Paul McCartney, and it's a fascinating movie because, of course, it deals with the aggressiveness, the trials and tribulations that the... The schooling was almost like an inconvenience with John Lennon's creativity. So he used to be a bad student. He used to abscond from school and he didn't want to go to school. He hated school. And sometimes he got suspended from school. And that subjugated his opportunity, thankfully, for his mother, with whom he didn't live. His mother got separated from his father and he never knew his father and they had divorce proceedings and that's a, a fascinating story but i think this pertains to how literacy is very much in light of how creative we can become and of course thinking and listening uh, a supporting cast of characters when it comes to our ability to 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 realize that literacy is one of the contributing factors to our ability to learn. And if we don't have literacies, as you're absolutely picking a really exciting headline, Rita, uh, then the whole arrangement of our sort of mental process deteriorates. And we're seeing that now with what's going on with the election, as you just brought up. We're very divided. You know, we shouldn't be told whether we should or shouldn't watch Fox News or whether we should or shouldn't watch anything. Of course, now we're up against the external examples of that with the, 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 the situation going on with China and Russia. So it's all very, very accumulative, very, very exciting. And I'm, I'm just uh, putting that out there because I think that, that the items, the criteria that is being brought up into this conversation uh, pertains to uh, how literacy is a is a contributing factor to our ability to respond, as you quite rightly pointed out, Rita. Uh, Asian countries, a lot of them seem to be ahead of the the literacy game, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like South Korea has got documentation to say that South Korea has got the highest recorded statistics uh, regarding their capacity to practice. Not that I won't say traditional teaching, but they're also very creative. If you think of what is going on in, in um, 
South Korea. Well, I think there's a whole different different value system that exists in other parts of the world than than here in the U.S. Um, with regard to to education and literacy, um, and and it's it's become very very pronounced, um, you know, in the, in the last several decades. I mean, my I've always said, and I my my friends and family, I you know know it. I say it over and over again that that the um, the generations and decades of lack of value on on, on education in this country, and literacy in this country has led to a really dire um, situation that could get far worse before it gets better. Um, it, it, it is the undoing. It is, is the source, in my mind, of the undoing of democracy. If I can jump in here, uh, many of you may recall the Civil War docuseries Ken Burns produced years ago, brilliant. What always stuck with me was the uh, beautiful prose written by quote-unquote uneducated soldiers back home prose that today would stand out as eloquent. And one of the things that Julian said, and I'll have both of you toss this one around, is it's how we res- literacy determines how we respond to the world, how we respond to stimuli. And the one point I wanted to add is that uh, it's it goes both ways. You both intake and understand and grasp, and then you want to have the ability to delineate in words, either spoken or written. And Needless to say, looking at the way people write or text or abbreviate, it doesn't bode well. So we have to focus on both learning and then spitting it back out again in something that we can understand. I think that makes someone a much more potent and exciting and, and responsible individual. Well, I think you're talking something very interesting, which is we've got a lot of mixed messages going on in our heads. And you add to that mixture the social media. I think we're in a bit of a conundrum. And you brought up something, Rita, which is the word democracy. You know, we haven't got it right here. And yet democracy is sort of an ongoing procedure to look and see how we are all somewhat interrelated. And of course, we are at the forefront, which gives, I think, United States of America a very, very key advantage, yes? But I think we have to look back and forward not just trying to look at the the status quo of have we got literacy or education right. And I was writing something down, I was listening to Jordan and to Rita, which was the time I had a very interesting conversation many, many years ago at a a, a well-known club, which name I've forgotten in Boston, which apparently was the, the club visited by Ben Franklin. And this was a guy called Jim Utterbeck, who I think is still alive. He's a professor of business management at MIT, He's one of these many people I cold called and he took me to this club and I sat down and I looked him in the face. I said, Jim, has anybody ever presented to you the difference between intellect and intelligence? Now, here's a professor at MIT and nobody had ever suggested that to him because I think right now um, we're somehow, especially with regards to the prejudices we're discovering from social media, we're somewhat stuck between are we defining intellect and are we being held hostage by this term artificial intelligence? And I think the conundrum is is it's a big problem because intelligence itself is a human condition. Nobody suggested that we're supposed to make intelligence artificial. And I'm not <laughs> a big fan of that either. 
I was just going to say, yeah, right? It's it's almost a uh, an oxymoron uh, for intelligence to be artificial. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, I I kind of think again. I'm reiterating that the word literacy. You 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 picked a brilliant topic, and we could probably and we'll probably be spending uh, years and decades, especially as parents seeing what kind of influence our sort of academic credentials aren't going to go away lightly. Right. I've made a good relationship with my wife so that my offspring, my two children, have been able to learn somewhat the sort of the hand-me-down experience that I had in my own peculiar way. And my, my, my wife had a very, very conventional form of education. and. Uh, Fortune, as you well know, Rita, um, and and uh, Jordan, the offspring do often take upon themselves the characteristics and the the, the style of which us as parents were were processed. But now I think there's a lot of things regarding literacy are, are sort of in a confusing state right now, which is why well, I, you... think, I think we have to be careful not to discredit. Um, different types of learning. So, yes. so you know, not everyone has to have a degree from Harvard or a degree from right. anywhere. Um, there, there is, there is, um, there is the school of hard knocks, which works very well for some people. Um, there are trade schools, which make people, um, which, 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 you know, very often uh, create you know, brilliant. The outcome is, is brilliance in, in terms of the arts and the, you know, other cultural venues. Um, you know, many, many people, many great, you know, technological geniuses uh, dropped out of school. Um, and they, they learned. So, so that's, you know, people learn differently and, and they learn in different venues and that, that needs to be considered. And I don't think it should be discredited in any way, but um but it's because it's part of the whole idea of, of literacy and education. I was thinking about uh, Julian's offspring, if they sound like him, process. <laughs> just kidding, my, my good friend. No, I, I wanted to just add one more thing, and that is one of the great joys of getting older and learning a lot and being uh, interested is, the well, the word curious, curious, curiosity. And it's think, I think that's the thing that instills the joy of learning uh, and I'm not saying you have to be an entertainer in the classroom, but uh, you don't want to present material these days because of the culture we're in that is uh, rote and and memorize this and this is the only way to do it. You want to present it as an exciting adventure. That's the way it was presented to me. I'm lucky. And I think that's what's missing. I think we need to instill that sense of curiosity and wonder uh, far beyond just the CGI we see on the screens. Well, we need to foster it definitely, yeah. and I, I think that's not done enough. I mean, one of the benefits of, of you know, early education, so the the move towards you know getting children in in pre K, um, that's that's a, a very big benefit because they learn to interact, they learn to listen, they learn to be curious at a much earlier age than, for instance, I did. You know, it's it's. Um, uh, it, it's it's critical, I think, but uh, that doesn't happen everywhere. It does happen in in some of these countries where the literacy rate is ninety nine percent. I can assure you of that. 
No, I'd left my ringtone on my phone, which is playing, unfortunately, or fortunately, John Lennon. <laughs> well, we're, we're at the point where we usually kind of sort of start to wrap it up. So if you want to, and certainly, Rita, you've got more to say, you're welcome to it. But we're coming to that point, uh, Julian, so if you want. Yes. Please, Rita, say, uh, because you picked a really, really, really exciting. Well, I, mean, I, I, I really... Um... I'd like to focus in a positive way on how we solve the problem of lack of literacy. How do we approach it? How do we, how do we say no to the people who are trying to limit literacy um, or contain it in some way? Um, it, it's, it's really, I think we're at a very pivotal point in our society with regard to, um, with regard to acceptance of certain information. Um, I, I choose to believe that it's gonna all turn out okay in the end, um, in, in terms of um, you know, not having uh, every state um, be able to control the curriculum uh, and, and limit things like African American studies or gender studies or whatever, because I think these are all these are all important um, important subjects for you know, for um, the world to touch on. That being said, you know, there are, there's a, there, there is core knowledge that I think we have fallen away from. There is, there's a core education that I think every, every child and every person should be entitled to. Um, you know, a, 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 another complicating element of all of this is, is that the U.S. has, the U.S. is a, is, and it has always been a melting pot. Well, not always, but in you know, in recent centuries, has been a um, more or less a melting pot. We have more immigrants to contend with, and more languages because our because American schools don't teach language. I just you know, I just I, I've, I've had conversations with a lot of my nieces and nephews about about language. They don't learn language um, in in. You know, most schools and most, you know, we're, we're in a microcosm in New York where language is taught, but there are countless schools right here in, in, in Columbia County, New York. Uh, I'm on the board of a, an organization called Dollars for Scholars, and we raise money for scholarships for the for the rural students who can't afford to college um, and, and grant them, you know, small, small scholarships. And. Um, and I was in conversation, we were doing a mass mailing back in November, and I was in conversation with a lot of the students who were volunteering to help with this mailing. And they, um, I, I learned that, you know, the high school, the multimillion dollar high school that is three miles from my house, they only uh, require two years of language at any level in the school. This is kindergarten through through 12th grade. And then they only teach um, two languages. They teach Spanish, and I believe there's a, I don't even know if it's French, but they, they there are no language teachers, so they don't, the children don't have the opportunity to learn languages, which is absurd. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you get on in this world if you don't know? language i i never was exposed to exposed to foreign language until i was in high school and then it was too late it's too late to learn at that point so so i mean there's that's not a wrap up but but it's it's just everywhere and i've become very very conscious of of literacy on all levels um and and you know i i really have made the commitment to 
do what I can to help with it, whether it's at our library. Our library actually um, makes a point of, of having a huge shelf of all of the banned books. All of the books that are banned as they're being banned, they, they put copies of these books out for people to read, you know, in defiance of those, those rules. I think that's a fabulous thing. And, you know, they're getting my support, absolutely, um, uh, on a regular basis. So, um, but, but it's, it's so vast and it's so complicated and we've let it go so long. It's, it's, it's easy to think that you could, you know, that, that you have to give up on this problem, that it's not solvable. I, I choose to believe that it is solvable, if, solvable yeah. if there is a will to solve it. Well, I think literacy as part of, part of education, not a convenience. And we've assumed it as being something we've just taken for granted. Correct. In the Western world, especially in this country. And we've treated it like some sort of subjective convenience. And I think literacy is a responsibility. Our leaders have forgotten about that responsibility. Our leaders have forgotten about the responsibility of educating people. And that's where we're right now at that crossroads, I think. And I think when we're launching this particular podcast globally, as you just mentioned, Asia and all different places around the world have got their different interpretations of learning. So, of course, it comes back again to the, the wonderful subject matter of this literacy. And it's it's about valuing literacy. It's, it's critical that, that we value literacy. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show. And tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast, impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.